7.43. So Greece will no longer need to receive regular financial aid from European creditors and the IMF, as this week the country officially exited its massive bailout programme, which started eight years ago. It's been quite the roller coaster, and honestly, it's very easy just to talk about these numbers, but really you've got heartbreaking stories of people struggling on the edge of uh, being able to survive. Uh, people who have been dealing with, for example, an unemployment rate peaking at 27.5% at 58% for people under 25. And an economy that's now 25% smaller than when the crisis began. They say it will take decades to pay off a debt pile of eight, 180% of its GDP that, that still exists. Dr. Angelos Chrysogolos from the Department of European and International Studies at King's College London now joins us on the line. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, thank you. I mean, first of all, just to this achievement of paying this money off in the first place, the country borrowed 0.3 trillion euros, $330 billion roughly over the course of eight years. And that was an unprecedented amount in world history. How did the country end up in that place in the first place? Why was it such an icon of the 2008 global financial crisis? Um, well, I think the important thing is to realize that, uh, of course, something happened because of um, severe mistakes that piled up over the years in uh, uh, in Greece. So uh, for many years, basically, Greece lived over its uh, means. Uh, it overextended itself, particularly the borrowing of its public sector uh, in the financial uh, in the financial markets. The state played a big role in the economy of Greece. Um, so it overextended itself in terms of uh, pensions, benefits, uh, hiring people. But the main problem is that the moment the financial crisis hit, uh, the state basically found itself completely unable to borrow in the financial markets the way that it could uh, in the past. And the moment that problem happened, the moment the Greek state could not borrow anymore, uh, it didn't have any of the instruments that a normal economy would have with its own independent monetary and fiscal policy. So it couldn't go into more debt, it couldn't um, undervalue its currency because it shared a currency with the rest of Europe. And the moment this problem happened, it became a problem of the whole of the Eurozone because if one state found itself on the borderline of insolvency, then uh, there were serious concerns about the integrity of the rest of the Eurozone. And the moment this became not just a Greek problem, but a European problem, that's when the Eurozone and the IMF stepped in to bail out Greece. And this bailout, it was a very bitter pill for some to swallow. In fact, there were riots and we've seen the rise of populism and certainly a political shift as, as a result of that. But was it as bitter as all that in the end? It was very bitter. And one thing that your listeners should appreciate is that all that money that you just mentioned, which are absolutely true, 300 billion euros, when all the three bailouts are put together, is that those things were never sent, were never felt, were never really channeled into the actual Greek economy. They were directly redirected, basically, from 
from the Greek state to repaying its uh, debt obligations to the international financial markets. Um, so one main problem is that all that money did not really reach the real Greek person on the street, the Greek economy. In fact, for the benefit of receiving that money so that Greece would be helped to pay off its debt and pay off its creditors, Greece had to institute really deep austerity measures, cuts, some to a degree that was pretty much unprecedented for any developed economy in recent, uh, in recent history. So actually, the Greek economy has gone through a period of historical contraction by international and historical standards. The Greek recession over the last eight years is now deeper and longer than what, for example, was the American Depression after 1929. Have the images of this been as disturbing as that American Depression? We've seen, I think, probably movies and documentaries that give mm. us a sense of what mm. that era was like. Has, has Greece's suffering paralleled that? Um, I think some quarters in Greek society suffer as much. Uh, on the other hand, of course, Greece today is a much more advanced capitalist economy, even Greece, which is by Western capitalist standards one of its poorest countries, but one of the poorest countries in Europe even today. Uh, of course, it's still a more developed economy than what the United States was in the 1930s. So perhaps you don't see those images of abject destitution. What you do see is a radical decrease of living standards and spending power, spending and purchasing capacity across the board from middle class down to lower middle class and working class. And that is manifested in various different ways. Uh, one among them, the chief among them, is emigration. 400,000 Greeks, around 4% of the population, has emigrated over the last few years, particularly the younger and the better, uh, the better educated. Um, older people who, in Greece historically, have been very much dependent on the pension system of Greece, now, after the 1st of January of 2019, are going to be faced with even lower pensions. So you're seeing more and more poverty, as defined by OECD standards, among younger people, but also more and more poverty among uh, poor people. It's basically uh, a whole society just getting poorer across the board. What about looking at other examples, like South Korea, for example, is a famous case, receiving an IMF bailout from 1997 to 2001, had to go through our own bitter structural reform here. Can, can Greece look to other examples of, of maybe seeking longer-term hope? That's a very good uh, analogy, and I was thinking about it before our talk. I'm not really an expert on Korean politics or Korean, <clears throat> or Korean uh, economics, but I think there is, a, there is a big problem big problem here, and the fact is that the Greek political economy is quite different to the political economy of uh, Asian um, economic powers, such as Korea. The main problem is that Greece has a very weak and shallow uh, manufacturing base, unlike Korea, for example, unlike Japan, unlike Taiwan, unlike China, unlike the other countries in your region. So 
one way, for the, the, the main way for a, an economy such as Greece in the recession that it is today to develop would be to increase its inward investment and increase its exporting capacity. But the problem is that since the 1980s, Greece, but anyway, had a very weak um, industrial capacity. It has lost even that very little industrial capacity uh, that it had. I think unlike the Korean example, what Greece could be looking to would be to improve the supply of its services globally. Tourism is an example. So tourism is a service and it's also an exporting commodity to the sense in the sense that when tourists come to your country they bring you money. So in that sense you are exporting a service to abroad and you receive money from abroad. So perhaps Greece could look forward to other types of services that it can perhaps leverage and sell in the open market. So education could be one of them, or, or health services could be another. The problem is that these kind of services and this kind of economy is not is, is really something that cannot whose benefits cannot be spread all that far across the whole of the country, like manufacturing is in the case of Korea or in the case of other industrialized countries. So in a sense, for a country in such a deep recession, Greece has to create its own path out of the crisis. It's difficult to see analogies in other cases. Turkey is another example, which is right next to Greece. But again, Turkey has a very strong manufacturing capacity and low labor costs. Greece will need to find its own way out of the crisis. But Greece does seem to be necessarily going through a similar route that we're doing in terms of seeking new growth engines, like, for example, startups and seeking innovation. Mm-hmm. Is, is that enough? I mean, at the moment, that might be seen as a bit of an add-on to manufacturing rather than, rather than being a core area of growth right now. Mm. Well, I think the main... I think startups... I, mean, I, th- I think there's something that is perhaps one of, the few, uh, one of the few benefits of the crisis is that you see Greek people and young Greek people trying to be more entrepreneurial, getting out of their comfort zone, because there is no comfort zone anymore, obviously. Um, so there is talk about startups and new technologies and things like that. But the problem with this kind of new tech kind of type of economy is that it doesn't really provide the massive employment opportunities that you need for a country with such a massive unemployment problem such as Greece. Mm. You have to remember that in Greece right now, unemployment is up to around a quarter of the working population, uh, almost well above half of young people under age 25 are formerly unemployed. You would need a hell of a lot of startups to actually employ all these people, let alone the fact that many of these people, their skills do not necessarily translate in the uh, digital tech kind of economy. Um, so I think while I understand, I understand where you're coming from, and probably that's really important, it can really be a source of inward investment as well, new technologies, I think it wouldn't do much to alleviate the problem. And for countries that go through such a crisis, such as Greece, with such a big uh, unemployment, such depression of economic activity, of course, the immediate danger is that you embark on a recovery that is unequal and fragmented, a recovery for the few, for the well-educated, for the well-connected, for those who are already rich, while everybody else remains impoverished. 
So, an inherent danger in what you just described is for the Greek economy to look less like a European one and to look more like a post-Soviet one or a Latin American one, where few people are going to be working internationalized, uh, sophisticated sectors of the economy, and many more people are going to remain stagnant and poor or just emigrate. We've got around a minute, but I want to just get your final thoughts on the Eurozone. Will this exit from the bailout program, even if it's not perfect or far from it, the situation for Greece, be good news for Europe? I think it's overall good news for Europe. I think uh, I think Greece, unfortunately for us, I'm, I'm Greek, so, but I think Greece is a bit of an outlier right now. I think the rest of the Eurozone is much more fortified than what it was in 2010, many more institutions to deal with financial shocks. And most other countries that entered the bailout and austerity, Portugal, Ireland, uh, Spain, Italy, uh, they are basically have gone through the bailout um, and they're trying to chart their own path. I think the main function of Greece in the Eurozone is not so much to just offer an example of a positive development out of a bailout, but a negative example that this is what's going to happen to you if you don't, uh, if you don't uh, reform. I think the EU yeah. is facing many more challenges moving ahead. But perhaps I think the Eurozone is something that perhaps is reasonably fortified uh, moving forward in the next couple of years. Well, we hope that that example can change to a more positive one in the future. Dr. Chrysogolos, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Thank you.